I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 179. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. This week's song, There is Power by Lincoln Brewster, has phrasing that comes directly from scripture, which is what I'm always looking for on this podcast. It's not a new song, but they play it regularly on the radio, and I was inspired further to use it because Lincoln Brewster grew up in Homer, Alaska, and that's a small town that I had the pleasure of visiting just a few weeks ago. My family and I were able to go on a dream vacation to Alaska where we were able to connect with two sets of really close friends and make many new friends along the way. I miss them. I miss the beautiful scenery and the cool weather and coffee huts in every town, my kind of place. I love the declaration of truth you will find in this song, so let's not delay any further. Here we go. There is power. Researching God's word reveals great things that were accomplished in the name of Jesus. The demons were powerless because of his name. Jesus, uh, in Luke chapter 10, sent out a group of 72 disciples to heal the sick and declare that the kingdom of God was near. And when they returned, the Bible says, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. So the demons were powerless because of his name. Healing occurred in the name of Jesus. If you go to Acts chapter 3, it talks about Peter and John coming upon a blind beggar at the temple gate. And you, you might remember the story. Peter declares, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. In fact, Acts goes on to say specifically that it was by faith and by the name of Jesus that he was healed. It says in verse 16, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. And then salvation comes through his name. And Romans ten thirteen says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In the Great Commission, Jesus instructs us to baptize in his name. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We are justified in his name. First Corinthians chapter six, you were washed 
You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And then we're supposed to do and say everything in his name. Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So as you can see, the, the name of Jesus is very powerful, but it is in praying in the name of Jesus that I want to talk about today. Now, sometimes there are things that we do a certain way because that's how we've always done it. You know, I love the story of a young woman who is preparing a pot roast while her friend looks on and she cuts off both ends of the roast and puts it in the pan and seasons it and all that. And, and her friend says, why do you cut off the ends? And she's like, I don't know. You know, my mother always did it that way. And I learned how to cook from her. And so her friend's question makes her curious about her pot roast preparation. And so the next time she sees her mom, she says, how do you cook a pot roast? And her mom proceeds to explain and adds, you know, you cut off both ends, prepare it, put it in the pot and then in the oven. And when the daughter asks, why do you cut off the ends? Mom says, I I, I don't know. That's how my mother did it. And I learned it from her. And so, of course, her daughter's inquiry makes the mom think more about her pot roast preparation. And so she visits her mother in the nursing home the next week and says, Mom, how do you cook a pot roast? And the mother slowly answers thinking, you know, well, you prepare it with spices and cut off both ends and put it in the pot. And the mom asks, uh, why do you cut off the ends? And the grandmother's eyes sparkled as she remembered, well, the roasts were always bigger than the pot we had back then. I had to cut off the ends to fit it into the pot that I owned. And so, again, that's one of those stories that kind of tells you that sometimes we don't really know the why behind some of the things that we do. If you pray in the name of Jesus, I want you to know that when you practice this in your own prayer life, there's a really good reason why. Because there truly is power in the name of Jesus. We've already talked about that. But also because Jesus himself told us to pray in his name. It's right there in red letters for us to follow. Okay, so praying in the name of Jesus is actually mentioned twice in three chapters in the book of John. So this kind of gives us this perfectly manageable section of scripture to sit in this week. Now, there is value in studying up on a topic. You know, I did this already in the podcast. Did you catch it? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and link to all of those verses that I mentioned at the beginning um, you can find those in the show notes. So you, if you go to michellekneesat.com forward slash 179, you'll see kind of a recap. I take notes for you because I know that you're probably doing something else while listening to this podcast, whether it be driving or washing dishes or cutting the grass or, you know, just folding laundry, whatever it is. So I'm going to, I t- try to take notes for you. And so I'm going to link to all of those uh, verses that I that I just read through talking about the power in the name of Jesus, but um, we're getting ready to ex- to go to the book of John and explore. So there's value in exploring a topic, and in fact, one of the Bible interaction tool exercises that I use is to explore the topic. It is it's something that I've introduced before. Now I call these exercises bites because well, be. I-T-E, Bible Interaction Tool Exercise, get it? (laughs) And then uh, they also help us take a bite out of scripture in varied ways. So none of them are terribly complicated. Some might actually push you outside of your comfort zone if you're not used to doing those, which is kind of the point. Some of them I use more than others. I know that, like the next one, which is 
context. And so I've already mentioned it in passing, but I like to read in context. And what that means for me is I don't like taking verses out of a group without really understanding what's going on in the bigger picture. There's value in both. So studying an idea or a topic and studying larger chunks of scripture in context. You, you really need both. Theology, for example, which is the study of God that dictates your beliefs and your actions. That your theology is often not built on a single verse or a section of a big chunk of scripture, but rather a compilation or a repetition of ideas and verses throughout the Old and New Testament. Meaning we don't base our beliefs and actions on a simple phrase that sounds good. That's often referred to as bumper sticker theology. We love those cute repeatable phrases in our soundbite society. But as followers of Christ, we should be asking him for that desire for more, for a greater understanding of bigger ideas. And I don't want your faith to be so academic, however, that it doesn't get into you and work through you. But I don't want it to be so shallow that you say you believe things but don't really know why. So a little extra work and thinking is going to serve your journey with Christ better and give you a rich experience. And why am I saying all of this? Well, because there is power in the name of Jesus. We can prove it through many areas of Scripture, um, as I just listed. But how will this knowledge or how will this theology belief impact our lives? Well, it should impact our prayer lives for sure. And that's what we're going to talk about in John. So back to John. If you use the Bible interaction tool exercise of referencing the headings, you could get an idea of the context without necessarily reading eight chapters. Okay, so We're going to go back a couple of chapters to about chapter 12, where we see Jesus is anointed with perfume at Bethany. Then Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king, you know, where he rides on the donkey and they all say, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Jesus predicts his death. There is belief and unbelief among the Jews. Jesus predicts his betrayal and Jesus predicts Peter's denial. Now, if you're new to scripture, Section headings won't help you much, and I appreciate that. But the more that you read God's word over and over and listen to sermons and read a book of the Bible more often, the more familiar that you will get with scripture, you're going to get these stories. You're going to say, I remember that. I read that. And this is a blessing and a curse of the familiarity part. The curse is that when you get so familiar, you will sometimes miss what God has for you because you speed read or you skip over. The blessing is that now you can put it into context a smaller section of scripture so you can use those headings to kind of give you your bearings as you dive in and maybe study a couple of chapters instead of having to read all eight. Okay, so John 14, as we're coming up on that, that's the chapter that I want to focus on at the beginning. It comes as part of an ongoing conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples, the 12 disciples. Well, actually the 11 at this point, because um, leading up to his arrest and ultimate crucifixion, he's having this conversation with his disciples, but Judas kind of leaves in the middle of the conversation. So we can see the scene unfolding. You know who Jesus was speaking to originally, okay, the disciples, the 11, and you can determine that if these were instructions to his disciples, then we can take these as instructions to us as followers and disciples of Christ. Okay, so this chapter starts off with Jesus encouraging his disciples and thereby encouraging us that he's going ahead of us and he's preparing a place. 
And he says that they know the way. And they're like, um, no, we really don't know the way. Can you Google it? I mean, you know, so you can almost hear him sigh lovingly as he says, I'm the way, you know, in fact, let's examine the scene uh, starting in verse five. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and you've seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. Uh, Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Don't you believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing the work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So Jesus here is asking them to believe that he is in the Father and the Father is in him. And I love how he says, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Here's where you can use the bite of asking questions. So I naturally ask at this point, what works? The evidence of what works themselves? Well, we're supposed to believe on the evidence of the works of Jesus. And that's why it's so important to study the works of Jesus. And you do that by reading the four Gospels. This is um, the work, the, the life of Christ on earth. Now, the works of Jesus included things like love and compassion and healing and demon casting and discipling and more. So when we read verse 12, 12 on again, it says, very truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the father may be glorified in the son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, verses uh, uh, talking about asking for anything and it will be done. They make me nervous because taken out of context, first of all, we First of all, we know it's not true in real life, right? And sometimes we're glad for that. You know, cue that Garth Brooks song and a rousing rendition of I Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. And, and also, it just doesn't seem right. You know, why would God let us ask anything in the name of Jesus and it be done as if he's some sort of candy machine that we put the quarter in and out pops anything our selfish motives can conjure up? So instead of focusing on the answer, let's focus on a few other elements. First of all, the works that Jesus did were only a direct result to the Father working through him. We just read that in the context, remember? If you just pull that verse out about asking for anything in Jesus' name, you're going to miss the part that he only did what God told him to do. He only said what God told him to say. So if we do greater things than Jesus, it's because the Father wants to do greater things. We're only going to ask for things the Father would have us ask for, okay? And we're only going to say the things the Father would have us say. The second thing is that Jesus went up to be with the Father to be our mediator. He is our mediator, both in salvation, of course, but in our prayer life as well. You see, we are accepted in God's presence only because of Christ. We can only come to God through Christ. He is the only mediator. And that's why we pray in his name. And that's why it's so powerful. 
So every time you pray in the name of Jesus, you should remember that the only reason you have access to the Father is because of Jesus. So as you say, in Jesus' name, amen, then you, you're kind of remembering the power that comes with that, of course, but also the, the, the blessing that that is, that you have access to the Father because of that beloved name. All right, so in these verses, Jesus puts prayer in a distinctly God-centered context as well. When he says this, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So there we have the boundaries that we need for the whatever or anything in my name, right? So there are many things our sinful minds could conjure up to ask for that would not glorify the Father. So I'm thinking like, whew, at least... Any prayer that does not have God's glory at its center has no claim on this verse. Okay, the verse is saying that the prayer needs to be distinctly God-centered and bringing God glory. Now, I know we've gone on for a while here, but I don't want to miss the other references in John as we keep reading through to chapter 16. And so I want to pop over to John 15, verse 7. It's this section where Jesus is talking about abiding. In fact, I have an entire podcast on that. Uh, Hang on, let me look up and see what episode that is. Okay, it's podcast um, number 123. So if you really don't understand that whole section about abiding, I have a a really great, I use the song Abide in Me by Batmar. And so, um, but anyway, verse seven, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Okay, so while this is not a direct reference to the power in the name of Jesus, it's clearly referencing our prayer life again in this little context. And it says again, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And so here we see one distinct example of something glorifying God, that we bear much fruit and show evidence of our Christ following journey. So you see, abiding in Christ is a prerequisite to a powerful prayer life that is worthy of the name of Christ. Okay, so when we keep reading through John 16, we see another result of our God-centered prayers lifted in Jesus' name, and that is our joy. In verse 23, it says, In that day you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. So how does the aspiration of God's glory, of course, this is our desire to bring God glory and the result of prayer bringing us joy fit together? Kind of seems like it's um, two different things, like I'm being selfish because I want joy, um, but God needs glory. So when we find our joy in seeing God's glory bearing fruit in our lives such that others can see the evidence, then when God is glorified, we will be glad. And all the more when we're glad in his glory. You see this wonderful circle. And so I know that you may have to go back and listen to that. I kind of went over that a little fast. It's kind of actually been a lot in kind of a short snippet. I want you, however, to pray in the name of Jesus because he asked us to. And like our song reminds us, there is power in the name of Jesus. So what's next? We'll read John chapters 14 through 16. And I want you to consider the verses specifically speaking of asking for things in Jesus's name. 
also known as praying. <laughs> okay, so there's one more bite I want to mention, and that is to pray, to actually pray. You know, we've, we've spoken a bit about prayer on this episode. It'd be a shame to like add to your knowledge base, but never put it to use. And I don't know about you, but I could benefit from praying more and more effectively. And while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. You can hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Facebook. Michelle L. Nizat is my public page. We can talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank the premier Christian music streaming service, theoverflow.com, for pointing their subscribers to this podcast. But more importantly, pointing them to God's word through music. And when you subscribe to their trial, you will receive a 10-day series of devotions that I wrote based on some of my most popular podcast episodes. So I encourage you to check them out at theoverflow.com. I also want to thank my newest subscribers to my website, like Barb from South Dakota, Leah from Missouri, Bonnie from Minnesota, Tracy from Missouri, Susan from North Carolina, Elizabeth from Texas, Sam from Michigan, and Missy from Iowa. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website benefit from an email that I send once a week. And in that email, you'll get a weekly memory verse resource. You can display that on your smartphone, your desktop, your tablet. You can even print it out. You'll also get a recap of the week's episode, and you'll get instant access to any of the extra resources that I create for my podcast from time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. Now, don't miss an episode of my podcast by subscribing in iTunes. It'll go directly into your phone. And when you're there, would you leave me a written review and a star rating? It really encourages me, of course, but it helps me stay visible to new listeners and gives me a little bit more credibility with new listeners as well. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Just like Cindy Ann from Florida, who kindly wrote, I stay off my phone as much as possible and trash emails every chance I get. When Michelle's work comes through, I take the time to read her words because Jesus is her true writer. Thank you, Michelle Nizat, for sending sparingly, but richly. We use your pieces in family worship. He reigns forevermore with magnanimous love. Cindy Ann, thank you so much for this review. And I love that you guys are using the podcast for family worship time. That's a wonderful idea. And then for any of you who wonder if I will send you a ton of stuff over your over email, I really only email once a week. I may sprinkle in a question or two to hear specifically from you, but I really want to respect your inbox. So thanks for catching that, Cindy Ann. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will use Hills and Valleys by Taryn Wells to jump into scripture. If you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 179. And while you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.